0: So all of our youth can slip out to the back as well, or they're waiting out in the foyer. The rest of us, younger youth, can stay put. So grab your Bibles if you would, and I want you to open to a couple places. We're going to go through several Proverbs today. We'll put them up on the screen. But if you can open to Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7. Proverbs uh, 4, 7. And then open to Proverbs 16.3. So you got to have a couple fingers there. Uh, Proverbs 4.7 and then Proverbs 16.3. Father, we thank you today, Lord, for your word, that we would be people that hunger and thirst for righteousness. And we know that the Holy Spirit is the teacher. So Holy Spirit, as we talk today about making big decisions... That you're the one that comforts and you're the one that directs. And Jesus reminds us to call to him. We bless you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Well, if you're taking notes today, I would encourage you to do this in our our time. If you are facing a big decision. Everybody say big. Big. That was weak. Everybody say big. 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 If you're facing a big decision, something upcoming, I'd encourage you to write it down. And the Lord may drop something in your heart to give you insight as we go on. You know, and I was, as I've been reading through Proverbs of all of the different subjects that Solomon speaks to, it almost seems like there's breadcrumbs all throughout 31 chapters that has to do with decision-making. How our hearts are to be aligned to Him, how God directs our, our steps and our paths. So, I want to look at that today. In fact, let me start with Proverbs 4, verse 7. And it says this Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and in all of your getting, get understanding. Wisdom is the principal thing, it's the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and in all of your getting, get understanding. And I like how the New Century Version says it, and it says it this way. Wisdom is the most important thing, so get wisdom. If it costs you everything you have, get understanding. So notice we're mentioning again: get wisdom. And so that's part of our heart today in seeking decisions that we have to make, is we want the wisdom of the Lord. Have you ever made a bad decision? (laughs) Wouldn't you like to go back several years and correct a decision you made? But what's important is we get to learn if we go back sometimes we find out we probably made a decision under pressure. Or we had somebody that forced us into a decision But then I ask you another question, are you in the midst of needing to make a big decision? And sometimes you don't know what to do. You know, uh, let me ask you this question. How many of you, if you were going to a pool after service today, how many of you are the type of people that you kind of go in through the steps? You kind of step in and you kind of ease in. How many of you are those those type of people? You kind of ease into the pool. How many of you are the jump in the deep end people? You you just jump right in and cool on down. How many of you go to the beach? And you go to the beach and you kind of wade in a little bit because it's cold and you kind of slowly go in? How many of you are the type, you just run and you jump and you freeze? Got a few of those. So all of us that like to jump in the deep end and all of us that like to jump in the ocean, regardless, uh, sometimes we have to watch the decisions we make because we jump. And we'll notice today how many times it says... The steps that we take. The steps that we take. You know, um, we've done lists before in the past. You ever done the pros and cons? You line up the pros on the left side of the page. You line up the cons on the right side of the page. And you usually go with whatever side has the longer list. But as many of us know, that's not the way to do it. We want to approach today God's word. Because wisdom does speak. And it has something to say. Solomon in the biggest decision of his life. We read this in 2 Chronicles chapter 1, verse 10. And he, he says these words to the Lord. Now give me wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people for who can judge this great people of yours? When God asked Solomon, basically, what do you want? What could I give you? His heart was, give me wisdom and give me knowledge that I may go out and come before this people. He wanted a heart enlarged to be able to judge and serve God's people. You know, and if you read on in that chapter, it mentions that not only did God give him the heart, not only would God make him the wisest man that had ever lived, that would, none would be before him, none would be after him except Jesus, but God was going to give unto him all of the things that he didn't ask for. But his heart was positioned to understand and to have wisdom and to have knowledge. Notice this, it didn't benefit him what he asked. It benefited God's people. It didn't benefit him at first. It benefited God's people. He didn't ask thinking and knowing, you know, if I ask for a big heart, God's going to give me everything else. No, he asked for wisdom, but it did benefit him. It became a blessing to him because of what he asked. And so maybe too many times we've asked for the wrong thing. We haven't asked the right questions. And so I I put this in here. In fact, write this down. Who gets the glory in your big decision? Who gets the glory? Jesus says these words in John 14, 13. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that my Father may be glorified in the Son. Whatever you ask in my name, I'll do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Jesus wants to fulfill those requests but to glorify his Father. Does it glorify the Lord? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 says, Therefore, whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do. Everybody say, whatever you do. Notice what it says. Do all to the glory of God. Do it all for him. So we want to make those decisions where we know he gets the glory. And remember... God never asks you to do the things that are possible. It's always the things that seem so impossible, and that's what makes us afraid. But God always gives us those things that don't look possible, but that's why we're learning to walk with him. So in Proverbs 16, verse 3, that's the other one I had you hold your place, it says these words, commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. Let me read that again. Commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. Now let me read two other translations out of that one. New Century Version says this, depend on the Lord in whatever you do and your plans will succeed. Depend on the Lord in whatever you do and your plans will succeed. And I love what the message translation says, Put God in charge of your work. Put God in charge of your work. Then what you've planned will take place. So I wrote even in my notes, have I put God in charge? Who's in charge today? Who's making all of those decisions? Now I didn't get up this morning, I didn't go in front of the coffee maker, and I didn't say, okay, God, small, medium, or large. Because he always says large coffee, right? right? No, there's those big, big decisions. He's given us that freedom to walk around and do things. But when it comes to major decisions, have we put God in charge? And have we then allowed it to take place because he's placing those plans in our heart? Proverbs 8, verse 17 I love this one. In fact, Proverbs 8 is where we read about who wisdom is, and wisdom is Jesus, and it says this, I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently will find me. Those who seek me diligently will find me. So when we looked at Proverbs 16.3, let our works come before the Lord, and our thoughts will be established And he says, I love those that love me, and those who seek me diligently will find me. Seeking me diligently. You know, when my kids were young, they both loved to play hide and seek. But they both loved to play in different ways. Madison, when we were little, um, she loved just to run around the house, and we would hide in different rooms. And I would usually hide in our pantry. And what I would do is I would shut the pantry, but I'd stick my big toes out so that she could find me because she was little. And you could hear her giggling and laughing. You know, I found you. I fa- you found you're so you know, clever and smart. She would hide with her big Elmo slippers on. And she'd do the same thing that I did. She'd stick them out. But what I would do is I'd walk around. I can't find her, Michelle. I don't know where she went. You'd hear that little giggle, right, from the closet. Well, Maverick wanted to play hide-and-go-seek totally different. Hide-and-go-seek involved lightsabers, uh, which meant whoever found whoever got hit with the lightsaber. And I would never hit him hard, but he hit me hard. And then you kind of fire back at him to say, you know. So we've all done the hide-and-seek. But sometimes what it seems like even God is saying Because he says those words to us, I love those who love me, and those who diligently seek me will find me. Notice what it says, you'll find me. But diligently seek after me. You know, the Bible's primary way that God begins to speak to us is through his word. He speaks to us through his word. That's our hope, that's our anchor, that's what we trust in. The Holy Spirit stirs those things in our heart that the word says, but it's always confirmed by God's word. So this is why it's so important that we search the scriptures, that we open our Bibles and that we read through these stories even though we may not think these stories have anything to do with anything about us. The Bible says that these verses are alive and they're active. It's not, it's not dead history, it's active, it's alive. It's placed in there for us. You know, I was reading this week, and I'm reading Genesis chapter 6. And I'm reading about Noah, and I'm reading about the flood. And do you ever wonder, what would that story have to do with us? Am I supposed to pray for animals to come to my house two by two? Is that why that's in there? Pray the Lord to send animals two by two. No, 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 no. You know, as I was reading, and I know I had read it before... But I don't think that I had saw it like I saw it because I was reading it and I was being diligent to read it. When God tells Noah to build an ark, that's basically what he says. I want you to build an ark from gopher wood. And, you know, if you read on Noah, says, great, we built that three years ago and it came out really good. We'll do a second round. He didn't say that, did he? He never built an ark, never heard of an ark. But here's what I read in Genesis 6, 15. This is how you shall make it. This is how you shall make it. So God throws out to him about this ark. And I'm sure he's thinking, you know what? I can build something that will fit my family. God has something totally different in mind. Because one day they're all going to start showing up. Animals two by two. And he builds this enormous ark. But God says, this is how you're going to make it. God was concerned about the details and the dimensions and the wood of the ark. Is he not concerned about your life? Is he not concerned about... If he's concerned how an ark is built, how much more is he concerned about the details of your life and the decisions that you're needing to make and the whispers that he wants to throw in your heart? But we find those things out in the Scripture. And it's a new thinking that we have to have. In fact, the Bible lets us know in Romans 12, verse two, it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Notice he says, you're being transformed by what? By the way you think. Your thinking changes. The way you think changes. Your mind has been changed. It's been renewed. God gave us minds that are now in Christ. And so those thoughts that I have to think, I have to say, are being renewed. I can't jump into the deep end all the time. I've got to step this out. I've got to walk this out. I wish he'd work a lot faster. But he wants me to walk this out. That's where I'm learning to trust him. And I'm building my faith. When our minds are in sync with him, that's when we get the clarity of the steps that we take. So many times we've got to renew the way that we think because the impossible usually stops us. But God wants us to see that making a decision is so possible. You know, I was thinking about this. I thought, if we'd only bought that house in La Mirada back in 1995, because it was only $110,000, you start thinking about, oh, right. Well, you can't go back. And probably had we done so because of changes in ministry, you know, who knows what would have happened. I can't go back. I can only go forward. Today's a new day, right? Today's a new day. The past is in the past. And he can work out all of those details that he needs to work out. But I've got to renew the way that I think. I can't think the same way. I can't think on my own. I want to be in sync with the way that he thinks and the way he speaks. Here's another one so important. Seek godly counsel. I'm going to read you a few verses. Seek godly counsel. Jesus is the head of a great church, but he's placed us among great godly people that do have the wisdom of God. So Proverbs eleven fourteen says this, where there is no counsel, the people... Fall. Where there's no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is what? Safety, right? There is safety. Proverbs 15, 22. Without counsel, plans go awry. But in the multitude of counselors, they are established. Without counsel, plans go awry. In fact, the message I like, it says this. Refuse good advice and watch your plans fail. Take good counsel and watch them succeed. And then the, um, the MEV version says this, without counsel, purposes are disappointed. But in the multitude of counselors, they are established. So think of that for a minute. Though God drops things in our heart, there are people in your life that you know will speak truth to you. But there are also people that'll just say what you want to hear to tell you what to do. Those aren't the people you go to. But many times what we want to do, we want to go to those that are just going to tell us what we want to hear. You know I met it was over 10 years ago with a pastor friend and we were going through a major change. And I wanted to sit down, and I wanted to do what the Bible said. I wanted to sit down, and I wanted to go through what I had sensed. And they were right on board. Boy, you, I feel like you're hearing from the Lord. I am in full support. Boy, I left that meeting. I felt so good. Do you know in a couple days later, in a phone call, he had totally switched on me. You are absolutely deceived. You are going the wrong direction. And I thought, did I meet with the same guy? And here's what he told me. He says, you know what? I had my friend hat on that day. And he said, and as we're talking today, I have my pastor hat on. And I said, well, I don't own any hats. I don't switch hats. Hold on a minute. Let me get my pastor hat on. Hold on a minute. Let me get my friend hat on. So he had totally, so we were so upset. It's like, tell me the truth then. Don't put hats on. Take the dumb hat off. Tell me the truth, even if it hurts. Tell me the truth. Don't like deceive me as I'm trying to follow to come to you. So, it's so important that as God begins to shape things because his word's number 1. What he says is number 1. But go to those that are godly that are also seeking the Lord for advice. In fact, we read this Proverbs 18:1, a man that isolates himself. Notice what it says, seeks his own desire and he rages against all wise counsel. So we're very concerned when somebody isolates themselves and isn't talking to anybody, isn't bouncing the off, because notice what it says, they're seeking their own desire. They're raging, the Bible says, against wise counsel, wise counsel. And I love how God is leading. How many of you are the step in the pool people? I step in the pool, all right. How many of you are I step in the ocean? I just put my little big toe in and I check it. Okay. Um, Proverbs 16.9 says this. A man's heart plans his way. But the Lord directs his steps. I need to be planning. I need to be thinking through the processes. I need to be praying about all those things. Because that's part of how God created us to be. But I love what it says... The Lord will direct your steps. He will direct your steps, even when they're just a step of faith. Okay, God, I'm going to take a step out there, even when they're just a step of faith. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not to your own understanding, but in all of your ways acknowledge him, and he'll direct your steps. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll direct your steps. And I pray that all the time. God, if I get off to the right, put me back in the middle. If I get off to the left, bring me back into the middle. You're the one that can direct me out. You know who to talk to, to have them pick up the phone or text or somehow, to shake my cage, to get me back on track. Because I want to have the heart that makes the right decision, and I want you to lead and guide me. And lastly is this. Is, in fact, I just wrote this peace, peace, peace. And I love this verse out of Philippians chapter 4, 6, and 7, where Paul says, Be anxious for nothing. Now, can I, before I read that on, remind you that Paul's in prison, chained, right? Nasty, dirty place, allowed to write these things. He's not sitting somewhere by the Sea of Galilee or the Mediterranean at a cafe overlooking a beautiful beach and thinking about getting in the water. No, 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 he's in prison. And so here's what he says. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. You know, if I back up to that verse in Proverbs 16, 3, commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. And I think Paul captures that in a way that he says, uh, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds. Do you ever have crazy thoughts about decisions to make? How many of you are like crazy? Anybody sitting next to you? It's only like four of us that are crazy. All right. How many of you are I see, I see people secretly pointing. Crazy, crazy. Boy, you think about things and people, just could you unplug that brain of yours? Just unplug it. Here's, here's what we go back to over and over. Do I sense God's peace? Do I sense his peace? Because I'm about ready to take a step. But if I don't sense any peace, then I'm not taking a step. But when I sense that peace that comes from him... See, i got to remember this. Jesus is walking this out with you. You're not alone. He is your biggest coach. He wants you to succeed. He's at the right hand of God praying for you to succeed, to make the right choices. And when you do those things and you're reading the scriptures... And you're going through, he's going to give you that peace to make a decision. And I I love what the Apostle Paul says, be anxious for nothing. Don't let it affect you. Because when peace lands, you have the peace to step out. And it guards the heart and it guards the mind. If I'm staying up too late and it's in my mind and it's keeping me going, then that's what I know. I'm not in God's peace I'm in my torment, and my torment's no good. I've got to get back in on God's peace because it will guard my heart. If I don't have the peace, then I don't go forward. But I count on him speaking to my heart. I count on godly people around me. I count on, know this, that I want to make the right decision because I want it to glorify God. It should have nothing to do about me. It should have everything to do... It should be like David said, if it had not been for the Lord. Because he gets the testimony on that. And I remember this. I have the Holy Spirit inside of me who's speaking to my heart. I have Jesus as my greatest cheerleader cheering me on as well too. And he'll direct those steps that I need to take. He'll direct the steps that you need to take. Bow your heads if you would with me today. Father, as we pray and we lay out these decisions before you, Lord, I pray for those that might feel stuck, that don't know what to do. Lord, I pray today, even in Matthew 5 6, that they would hunger and they would thirst for your righteousness, because the promise is they'll be filled. Lord, it's in that filling is where you're speaking. It's reading a verse out of Genesis that just shows us this is how you're going to make it. You give us those steps. Sometimes it's so simple. Sometimes it's a, a, just a simple word. But Lord, we thank you that we always come back to your word. We always thank you for that leading of the Holy Spirit in making decisions. And we thank you today, Lord, that we walk out decision-making with your peace. So, Father, we submit our plans to you. We submit our thoughts. We submit our jobs, our businesses, our schooling, our children's schooling, anything that we're facing. Transition with work. Transition in families. Lord, we thank you today that you speak to our hearts. Jeremiah 33.3, where you said, Call to me, and I will answer you. And I will show you great and mighty things that you know not of. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, or maybe you've strayed and today is the day to come back to him. He wants to walk this out with you. Would all of you pray this prayer right after me? Say this with me. Dear God, I believe in Jesus. I believe that he lived. I believe that he died. And I know he rose again. I accept him today as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for coming into my heart. Thank you for bringing me into your family. And thank you for forgiving my sins. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.